Good morning. I'm going to greet you all in Jesus' name this morning. Thank you for coming and blessing us. Every one of you, especially the visitors, thank you for coming. Hope you can be blessed, encouraged, strengthened, and find fellowship with us this morning. It's been good to be here so far. I appreciate everything that was said. Appreciate the challenge about having the mind of Christ. Oh, how we need the mind of Christ these days, don't we? You know, I also appreciate Earl's challenge about what does it mean to have the mind of Christ. Ephesians, uh, Philippians chapter 2, I think, is one of the passages of Scripture that probably challenges me the most. Using the example there of Christ, how he made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant and all of that. And I wonder sometimes how the outcome of some of our situations would be if we would follow his example. If I would follow his example more. And so I I just appreciate the challenge that we heard this morning so far. And I think it, I think the subject that God has, I trust, laid on my heart, I would have to also say how much we need the mind of Christ as it relates to that. So that's a, a good devotion. All right, uh, if we could, let's just stand together for a word of prayer. Lord, we thank you again that you have and are extending your hand of mercy to humanity today. Thank you, Lord, for the church that you have birthed by your precious blood. Not a one of us this morning has earned it. We haven't done anything right to deserve it. But Lord, it's all part of your goodness. It's all part of your plan from eternity past with the tragedy that happened in the garden and where man found himself. And that today you have redeemed us by your precious blood. And we can sit here with a free heart and a free conscience and experience your many blessings together as a body is a tremendous blessing. Yet we realize, Lord, that there is a warfare that is raging over the souls of mankind. And you have placed us here in these days that we live in for a reason and a purpose. And, Father, I pray that you would help us all to respond to that call of discipleship into being transformed more and more into the image of Christ. And, Lord... I just pray that you would bless this little flock this morning. I pray that somehow the words that I share this morning could somehow be anointed by your Holy Spirit. And I pray that you would meet each and every need here this morning, including my own. And I pray that you would bless our little service here today as we commit this time to you and look to you in Jesus' name. Amen. And you may be seated. Last uh, Sunday, I think the title was something about uh, the house of the Lord. And I think it was from Psalms 27 where he talked about David's intent, intense, if you want to call it that, desire to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of his life. And um, I appreciate everything that was to be said there last Sunday, and this morning, I'm going to look at a different house, and I'm going to call it our house, or my house, 
or we could call it Daddy's house. I had uh, the last time I had shared it was Father's Day, and I talked to fathers, and I wasn't able to wrap up some of the the, the points that I had that I had wanted to look at, and I think I had stated then also that we are trying to work our th- way through our confession of faith, and I was taking the responsibility challenge a little bit at looking at some of the things related to the home. And so I, this morning, I would like to at least in part uh, follow the outline related to the Father's tremendous responsibility as it relates to uh, the home and the responsibility that God gives to us. And so this morning, I want you to know that in a lot of ways, I'm talking to myself. Um, I really am. I would also have to say that Sometimes maybe I'm this way more than I should. My uh, Some of the anxieties that come when I know that I'm on schedule. But I would have to say that this week, as I considered this subject, I found myself pacing the floor a whole lot more than even I normally do and crying out to God as it relates to this subject. And I suppose part of that is related to the fact that when we talk about our homes, we talk about our children, even though this morning my primary focus isn't going to be child training and necessarily real focused in on raising children and those kind of things, I also do realize that when we talk about our homes, it does become a bit of a sensitive subject. It just has the potential of lending itself that way. And I realize that, and and I also realize that I do believe it is an important subject that we look at many, many times. So this morning, that's a little bit where I would like to go. And I'd like to just, in the beginning here, raise a question that a young father actually brought to my attention here a couple of months ago. And I don't even remember exactly how he said it, but it was something like this. He said something like this to me. If I could roll the calendar back about 20 or 25 years and I would be sitting back there with just starting my family, what would be important to me? And that was a really good question for a young man to ask. And I didn't really answer that question because I wasn't sure how to answer that question. And some of you my age men, I wonder how you would answer that question. I wonder if you would think about that. What would you do differently if you could go back there and do it all over again? Uh... Part of the reason why the subject this morning I think is very important for me is because I look at my family, I consider myself half done, and I look back over some of my failings and things that I look back and wished I would have possibly done differently, and I'm sure there are many. And so I'm not going to try to answer that question, but in the subject of what I'm looking at this morning, there is a sense in which I am maybe answering that question at least to a degree in my own heart with what I think is important. And so if you can follow that in some ways uh, this morning, I'd like to do that. I'd like to at least you to be thinking about that question. What would we do differently? What would we do differently? So I'd also like to just share that if you don't need to follow along in your confession of faith, unless you have it and you really want to, I don't even have a confession of faith up here, but I copied a lot of that part of it out as to what I want to look at this morning here in my notes. Um, and, and having said that, realizing that the order of the home in our, our confession of faith, what we believe and what we believe to be important, the first focus is on the fathers. 
And so this morning, I'm largely going to be talking to the fathers, and I don't even know if I would allow myself to qualify to speak to the sisters on the subject. I'm not sure how I would do that. I'm not sure where we should even all go with that, but I would like to say this. As you sisters listen in this morning to the tremendous and awesome responsibility that I believe God gives to fathers, you have a tremendous vital role to play in being the encouragement and the support that we men need in order to be the leaders that God calls us to be. And I'm even going to suggest some of you probably don't realize the dynamics that go along with that. That we sometimes insecure leaders, sometimes, uh, you know, relinquishing from our responsibilities and not stepping up to the plate like we should and sometimes tired fathers. How much your encouragement goes, what for a long way it goes to we needy fathers. So I'd like to just share that here in the beginning this morning. For a little bit of an introduction, I, I think we're just going to read it in Deuteronomy this morning. As it relates to this subject, and you can turn there in your Bibles, and I'm going to look at this passage of Scripture this morning because I believe as we consider the context, as we consider from a historical history perspective, uh, God's people were at a place here where I believe they were entering into an unprecedented time of prosperity, into a good land, and God, through Moses, was trying to prepare his people for it. In history, history we know how the, God's people wandered there in the wilderness for many years. They had many battles they were fighting. They had many hardships. They had many uh, things that they were experiencing. And here they are. They're on the brink of entering into something very different than I believe they ever experienced before. And I believe uh, God, through Moses, had some things that he was pointing out to them. And this morning, I don't intend to spend a lot of time in this passage of Scripture, but I think we're just going to read it to get a little bit of the sense of the the seriousness of what God was trying to communicate to these people that were entering into an era of time of many great blessings but many challenges. And I would have to say, as we consider where the church has been parked at for quite a number of years now in our culture, in our society, of where we are parked and how much longer we will actually experience the many blessings that we're experiencing I suppose God only knows, but that is actually where we find ourselves here this morning. So I would like to this morning, as we consider that, you know, we live in a time of peace, a time of prosperity, at least in this part of the world. We have money at our fingertips. We have many amazing opportunities. And I think it's probably still the most desired place worldwide to live is where we live. I think it is. And it's actually where we find ourselves, and it's a place of great blessing, but I also believe it's a place of challenge. And so this morning, I'd like to just jog our thinking a little bit as we think about it and, and just read over this passage, and then I'm just going to make a few comments, and then we're going to go on. Okay, Deuteronomy chapter 6. And now these commandments and statutes and judgments which the Lord our God commanded to teach you that you might do them in the land whither you go to possess it that thou mightest fear the Lord God and to keep all his statutes and commandments 
which I command thee, thou and thy son and thy son's son, all the days of thy life, that thy days may be prolonged. Hear therefore, Israel, and observe and do it, that it may be well with thee, and ye may increase mightily, as the Lord has promised thee, in the land that floweth with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. Thou shalt teach them diligently to thy children, shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, when thou walkest by the way, when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. Thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, and they shall be as frontlet between thine eyes. Thou shalt write them upon the post of thy house and on thy gates, and it shall be when the Lord thy God shall have brought thee into the land which he sware unto thy fathers, to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob, to give thee great and goodly cities which thou buildest not, and houses full of good things which thou fillest not, and wells digged which thou diggest not, and vineyards and olive trees which thou plantest not. When thou shalt have eaten and be full, then beware lest thou forget the Lord which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. Thou shalt fear the Lord thy God and serve him and swear shalt swear by his name. Ye shall not go after other gods, the gods of the people which are round about you. For the Lord thy God is a jealous God among you, lest the anger of the Lord be kindled against thee, and he destroy thee from the face of the earth. Ye shall not tempt the Lord your God as ye tempted me in Massa. Ye shall diligently keep the commandments of the Lord your God and his testimonies and his statutes which he has commanded thee. And thou shalt do that which is right and good in the sight of the Lord, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest... Go in and possess the land which the Lord sware unto thy fathers, thou uh, to cast out all thine enemies from before thee, as the Lord has spoken. And when the Lord and when thy son asked thee in time to come, saying, What meaneth the testimonies and these the statutes and judgments which the Lord your God commanded you? Then shalt thou then shalt then thou shalt say unto thy son, We were Pharaoh's bondmen in Egypt. And the Lord hath brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. And the Lord showed signs and wonders, great and sore, upon Egypt, upon Pharaoh, and upon his household before our eyes, and brought us from thence, that he might bring us in and give us the land which he sware unto our fathers. And the Lord commanded us to do all these statutes, to fear the Lord our God for our good always, that he might preserve us alive as it is this day. And it shall be our righteousness if we observe and do all these commandments before the Lord our God as he hath commanded us. And then if we would continue following on in chapter 7, he gives us a, a, uh, a real uh, warning about not intermarrying with those, the, the, those in the land and so on and so forth. He gives a very clear warning there. So as I'm supposing you're already getting it, my burden is that I believe there are and God was taking them into a time era of many blessings, but these many blessings had a negative side, and He was advising His called out people of some things that He was warning them of as they were about to enter into this. And I'd just like to point a few of these out to this, to us here this morning. This isn't to give us a sense of correction or even that we're neglecting some of these things. But my heart's desire is just a few of the points to pull out of here is to realize, you know, dads, I believe we're living in a time where we need and must be alert. I don't think it's just this time. I think it's a, I think of, I think in all time, I think it's the call of God, the responsibility, but I believe even much more so 
in the age and generation and the time that we live in. And I'd just like to pull a few of these things out of here this morning. And I'd like to notice the heart of God and it's things that we know, but just to be reminded of as a people. And number one is that God was warning his people that he expects obedience. God expects obedience. God is a God who has a who has a in part has given to us uh, how we ought to live. And God has given his children a prescribed remedy of their expectations. And God has given them, as you look at the chapter before, God has given them his laws and they were to be obeyed and they were to be lived by. God, from history past, has expected obedience from the people of God and he's giving them a warning. He's giving them the call, the call to obedience. And I'd like to just remind us of that this morning, you know. It's no surprise to any of us. I think we know it. But, you know, our children are and will be and we also bombarded with, I believe, a theology that has come through from a weak Christian reality that we live in that obedience is no longer important. You could go to many churches across the land this morning and we could conclude, come to that conclusion. But you know what? God still expects obedience from his children. And that's one of the things he was reminding them of as they came into this time of prosperity. Another thing I would like to just point out to us here this morning, and that is that that uh, God tells his children there in verse five to love him with everything they have. It says, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul and with all thy might. And he's reminding them of that, that that. Uh, that command of his to love him with everything we have. And in verse 6, it talks about um, not just our mind, but with our heart. It says, in these words, which I command thee this day, shall be in thine heart. You know, it's our hearts must be affected here by the gospel. A heart, uh, that it affects our heart here. And then verse uh, 6, and this is actually the reason why I found myself in this chapter. I'm sorry, verse 7, it says, Thou shalt teach them diligently to thy children. And and he talks about talking about them when thou sittest in thine house, when thou walkest by the way, when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. You know, part of the responsibility that he was given to God's people as they were entering into this time of prosperity and putting it on the hearts, I believe, of parents is to take every opportunity that we have to teach our children every opportunity that we have to teach our children and to get a hold of the important the importance of it and then another one and maybe this is one of the greater ones as we consider this whole subject that he is reminding the people of God and that is that we are a very forgetful people we're a forgetful people and I'd like to just somehow allow that one to speak to our hearts this morning that yes we are a forgetful people, especially when we live in a time of peace and prosperity. And if you look at 8 through 12 there, he talks about binding them for a sign upon thine hand. And there shall be as frontlets between thine eyes, and thou shalt write them upon the post of thine house and on thy gates. And it shall be when the Lord thy God shall have brought thee into the land which he sware unto thy fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, and to give thee great and goodly cities which thou buildest not. 
Houses full of good things which thou fillest not, and wells digged which thou diggest not, and vineyards and olive trees which thou plantest not. When thou shalt have eaten and are full, then beware lest they, lest thou forget the Lord which brought thee forth out of the house of bondage. You know, it's so easy to become a neglectful and a people that begin to forget. And I'd just like to consider that a little bit this morning, you know. Sometimes we, we, we develop a conviction in a given area and we know this, this is what God expects of me. But I believe, you know, there are times, and I was a young person at one time and I knew what it was like. I believe that God, you know, one of the things that, that I believe that we need in this day and this generation is a holy fear of God. And I believe as a young person growing up, I had a fear of God, but I also know what it was like to have that fear of God, and I knew the boundaries that, and the expectations that God had for me. And, you know, I also know what it's like when you, uh, at times, step over that boundary and your conscience is telling you something, you know, what you're doing isn't right. And then a little later, you do the same thing again, and again, your conscience is bothering you, but it's getting quieter, and it gets quieter and quieter until eventually it's gone, and we forget, and we forget. And we're prone to forget. So that's another thing I'd like to just point out to us this morning is that we're prone to forget. Fathers must be vigilant, I believe, because of that. Another thing I'd like to point out as a very serious one, he warns them in verse 14, you shall not go after the gods, the gods of the people which are around about you. Another thing that I'd like to really remind us as fathers to be vigilant about, and that is we are a people that are very given to influence. And that was a warning that God was giving to the people of God as they were entering into this land of Canaan to beware. We're given to influence. He gives them a reminder. It reminds them of God. God is a jealous God. Who, who, and that's who God is. He's a, he's a jealous God. So just with those few thoughts there, I think we're just going to move right along. There's some other things we could look at yet that I think that God was pointing out to them. Verse 16 he talks about not tempting the Lord God as he tempted him at Massa. That's where they fell into grumbling and complaining. And he was warning them of that. And then he talks about utterly destroying all the enemies. And uh, I don't think I'm going to go down that line too much there. I believe when we look at that verse as far as driving out the enemies of the land, and I know that was an old covenant thinking where they actually literally drove out the enemies. And I might point out a few things later here as we go along, but I believe there are many and I think we need to spiritualize that verse a little bit. At least that's what I like to do. I believe there is many enemies that we actually need to drive out of our lives in order to be effective fathers in the land that God calls us into as leaders and leaders and heads of the home. So I'd just like to, for us to remind us of that with that scripture there. I believe that God in his foreknowledge, his wisdom and, and so forth, that this is actually... The generation that God, you know, in many ways, we're just a very blessed people. We, and we are. We're a very blessed people. I don't know of another era in time. I don't know that I'd like to live in, I believe. But, but here we find ourselves. We find ourselves where God has placed us this morning. And God gives us as fathers an a amazing responsibility. Should have maybe said this at the beginning. I think I'd remind us this of the last time. You know, I'd just like for us, and, and one of my births is especially... For the young fathers that we have among us, 
I would really like to impress that into our hearts, you know, and maybe I'll just say it this way. It, it, it was amazing. And I'm not sure if I said this the last time on Father's Day when I shared or not. I know it was on my heart that 20 to 25 years ago in our circles, there was a tremendous amount of focus and teaching and uh, it, it was it was a, a strong call of turning the hearts of the fathers and the mothers to their families. And part of our movement, if you want to call it, that was actually built on that very thing. In fact, I'm not sure if I said this neither back then. And that was someone recently came to me and said, whatever happened to the godly home? And it was a brother who was back there. It was part of that. And it was the godly home that really drew families together and we put a lot of focus on it and so it's somewhat of a call back to that and i would just like to give especially young fathers among us the encouragement and the somehow for god to get a hold of our hearts and we realize the seriousness of this call because i believe it is the very thing and a determining factor that is going to determine what the house of the lord looks like in the days to come. I honest, I, I really believe that. And, you know, it's not really a secret to any of us that it seems the New Testament church of Jesus Christ is in a lot of conflict these days. It really is. And I believe it's because Satan knows that his time is short. And I would just like to encourage us the importance of what happens in our homes. And not to spurn the opportunity. That's part of my burden. I'll give it to you now. It's part of my burden this morning. So, now we're going to go to some of the things in the confession of faith. And you can turn to Ephesians chapter 5, the Christian home. And like I said, I'd just like to really rekindle that fire and that vision and that passion for fathers to turn our hearts toward home would be my goal. And our confession of faith states it this way. We believe and confess the importance of a godly home for the teaching of faith and love and moral purity. And I'd like to liken this morning. I was thinking of an example and an illustration. You know, it's not many miles from here is uh, Middle Creek Wildlife. And it's a refuge. It's a place where animals uh, go for safety. I don't know if animals know by instinct that that's where they belong or not. But it seems they flock to those kind of places. And, you know, if you want to go see wildlife, that's where you go. They're safe there. They don't have to worry about man coming with a gun unless he's breaking the law and going after him. Uh, for the most part, anyhow, it's, a, it's an animal refuge. Or at times, I think some of them are called uh, sanctuaries. There's a hawk sanctuary, and they, they call them that. It's a place where we can go and where, where animals are, and they're in safety. And I just like to liken, you know, in a lot of ways, that's what our homes are designed to be. Now, as I say that, I also want to give a little bit, I don't know what you call this, but you know, and and I do believe this, uh, I really do, you know, it's not always the ideal home that is the answer for the right outcome. It really isn't. And I'm not trying to give a message that if, you know, every child has the choice to make, Every child has the choice to make. And, you know, I also recognize this morning that there have been rather uh, very less than ideal home situations. And yet there can be children coming out of those homes that make a choice. They're going to follow Christ. And it's a beautiful thing. 
It really is. So I want to be careful what I left up here this morning. But I also do want to lift up the standard of having a godly home and what God intends it to be. And I'd just like to give some focus and attention that way. And I believe more and more as we live in a troubled society, you know, when we look at where our nation is going and the decisions that have been made over the last years, you know, the family is becoming a horrible situation in our culture. And just to motivate us as God's people for the privilege and the blessing it is that we can actually raise and have a God-fearing home and a God-fearing family. And I'd like to put that into the hearts, especially of you young men and young women in, uh, in, in our culture and our society here. So Ephesians chapter 5 is where we're going to be drawing some things out of. And then we're going to be looking at a number of different things. But why don't we just go ahead and read. I think I'm going to start at verse 15 of Ephesians 5. Uh, <clears throat> See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, be not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your hearts to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as unto the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church and the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject to Christ, so let wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as the Lord the church. For we are members of his body and of his flesh and of his bones. For this cause shall man leave his father and mother, be joined to his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife even as himself, and the wife see that she reverence her husband. And I'll read the first four verses yet in chapter 6. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Now, I'm just going to go over a number of things here and just pull out of this passage that I read and going to go fairly quickly and then later as I go over a number of things we might come back and look at it a bit again. But I'd like to first of all pull out here uh, verse 15 where it talks about walking circumspectly not as fools but as wise redeeming the time. You know I believe the home is to be a place for careful living. The home I believe is to be a place to walk carefully a, a place for careful living. I'll conclude with that there by looking at verse 5. Uh, verse uh, uh, verse 15, I'm sorry. And then verse 16 talks about redeeming the time because the days are evil. You know, time is a very, very precious commodity. Uh, 
Time is a very precious commodity. And you know, we live in time. And the Bible, the Word of God here tells us this morning to redeem the time. And I'd just like to give us encouragement along those lines this morning as it relates to redeeming the time with those precious, as Psalms 128 calls it, olive plants around our table. Time is a precious commodity. And to invest time into our children. I'll never forget the awesome responsibility that and God getting a hold of my heart after my first child was born and I held him in my arms and I realized that I am looking into an eternal soul. And God has repl- has placed this eternal soul into my care. You know, that is a huge responsibility that God gives to His children. So I'd just like to to call us to redeem the time. Verse 17 talks about understanding what the will of the Lord is. You know, as we go along through life, it's important for us as fathers to understand what the will of God is. You know, sometimes Scripture is very clear. We look at it. We know what God's will is when it comes to what God, the claims of of, uh, of what God tells us to do. But then there's other things as it relates to family raising where God calls us to walk closely with our children. And help them to determine what is God's will for their life. You know, it's an opportunity. It's an opportunity for us to walk close with our children. They have a big world that's staring at us. And I'm thinking now, not as these little children anymore, as they grow up through the teenage years, to take the opportunity to help our children understand God's will for their lives. You know, that's that's personally how I view family raising for myself Going through those teenage years when they commit their life to Christ and they go up through those years. It's a process of time of of journeying very closely with them because the time will soon come when they're out and they're on their own. And to take that opportunity, you know, and, and I'm going to take us back many times. Time is such a precious commodity. And let's not spurn the time. Let's help. Let's understand the will of the Lord. Verse 18, uh, the home is a is a, to be a spiritual place rather than a place of, commu- of confusion. Be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. The home is to be a spiritual, heavenly atmosphere. Can we just call it that? I think that's what the home is called to be. Verse 19, it is a place where there ought to be worship. The home is a place for worship. Speaking to ourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, Singing and making melody in your hearts is unto the Lord. And you know what? Just came to my mind, so I'm going to say it now. I am not laying these things out for anybody this morning to feel condemned. Okay? I want you to understand that I'm talking to myself here this morning because I need the same reminders that I suppose many of us does do this morning of what our homes are to be. And I'd like to just bring us back to that. But I believe our homes should be a spiritual place where there's worship. I really believe that. Verse 21, where there is respect and submission one to another. And then verses 22 through about 25 there, it talks about uh, God's order of headship. Verse 25, where the wife and children are loved and cherished. And I think I'm going to come back and talk about a few more of those as we go. But that just gives us a brief overview of what God's intention is for our homes. And my encouragement this morning is us as fathers to take our place of responsibility. 
Uh, number one, under heading 16 there in a confession of faith, states it this way. He is responsible for the direction and oversight of his family. And then uh, Genesis 18, um, verses 19, is the verse that's there for that one. It says, and this is God's testimony of Abraham. He says, for I know him, that he will command his household after him, and they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment, that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he has spoken of him. And I'd like to give the responsibility primarily to the dads here this morning of our responsibility to lead our children in the fear of the Lord. You know, I think when the fear of God is missing in our homes, and you know, I can look back into my home experience and I realize in my home at least I, I didn't get the clear gospel. It was after I actually left my home that I got saved and so forth. But yet I realize that one thing that my dad did a good job of communicating to me growing up as a young boy, and that was to fear God. I had a fear of God and I had a fear of sin. There was many a Saturday night we used to go Saturday or Sunday night we used to go down to visit my grandparents at Blue Ball and we'd go down three twenty two and we'd go down through Hinkletown and most of you men my age are gonna know what was down there at the Hinkletown light. It was the game room called Eshy. It was Eshy the game room. I don't know if it was a relative of Dave Esh or not, but it was Esh. And it was a game room, and there was black cars everywhere. And I know there was drinking went on that place. It was just an ungodly atmosphere, and we'd go past that place. And, and my dad would warn me. It was our church people. It was our church boys that were there. My dad would give me a warning, and I grew up with a fear. I grew up with, a, with a, some sort of a fear where that place would take me. And I'd like to say I always <clears throat> stayed away from it. <clears throat> you know, God gave the warning of his people that they'll forget. And we're a people that are prone to forget. And I know what it's like to enter into that and hear that nagging conscience that bothers you. And then you do it again. And it bothers you again. Some of you young people know what I'm talking about. Maybe it's music. Maybe it's your technology. Maybe it's your phone. Maybe it's just a line that you know God would have a line in your mind what you ought not be stepping over, whatever it is. And we step over it again and again, and we've been forgetting. And then I think, and I hope not, some of us may know what it's like to just haphazardly do it and no longer hear that voice. And that's a dangerous place to be. And that's what God was warning his people of when they were going into this land. Be careful, you'll forget. And he actually warned them to be intentional about what they do because they'll forget. And there's four verses back there in Deuteronomy. We're not going to turn back to it again. But what I'm talking about here, Dad, it's our responsibility and God help us somehow put the fear of God into the hearts of our children. And I'd just like to encourage us that way. I'd like to encourage us that way this morning. Point number two in our confession of faith, Father, is to be the example of faith and love and purity. Furthermore, we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus Christ that as ye have received... Of us how to walk and to please God so you would abound more and more. I don't think we can put enough emphasis on us as fathers being an example for our children. You know, I think that's probably one of the most powerful things when we can be an example. And I'm not talking about being an example, having to be, you know, this perfection. I believe we ought to be example as it relates to love and purity as it states here. But, you know, sometimes it's that example of humility because we as dads do fail. You know, I say many times that 
I, I want my children to have an example of a daddy who's willing to break his heart before him and acknowledge his needs. Because I have many of them. And I think sometimes that can be one of the most powerful testimonies that we give our children when we uh, break our hearts before them and realize that we have failed. And as a father, I have many of them, but we can be an example of that. Be an example of faith and love and purity. Fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. I'd like to just uh, talk about those three things just briefly here as we go along. And that is under the heading that I just read about us being an example of faith and love and purity. Just to take them apart a little bit. You know, I think we as dads ought to be an example of faith to our children. An example of faith. And I think an example of faith to our children is when our children, and you know, our children, they don't figure us out too much when they're little. But when they get big and they get into the teenage years and they get to understanding the scriptures themselves, they can figure us out. And we can be an example of faith to our children. Are we an example of faith to our children that our children can look up to daddy and they can see when daddy reads a scripture and God makes a way clear and he expects dad to walk? What does dad do with that? Are we an example of faith in the area of walking obediently with the Lord Jesus Christ? Are we an example of faith? And I'd also like to just give a little bit of encouragement. You know, some of us as dads sometimes have a little bit of a difficulty getting a hold of faith in some of the unknowns, you know. And I'd just like to give us as dads some encouragement this morning in the area of faith. In the area of walking by faith, you know, sometimes we can look around us and we can see so many discouraging things that it just causes us to recoil. But I just like to call us to be men of faith that rise to the challenge and walk with God. Rise to the challenge and make the decisions that God asks us to make. You know, sometimes and I, the reason I can say this, I'm a father, too. Sometimes when we have something staring us in the face and we're not sure what to do. Many times the easiest thing is to do nothing. And sometimes, especially me, I do have to learn there is a place to do nothing. But there is also a time and a place where we look at things and God just simply asks us to walk in obedience, even though we don't know the outcome, and to be able to walk by faith. And I think sometimes it brings a tremendous amount of security. And I know, you know, it's interesting. I can tell you stories and go back to things that I've done. And some of the things early in my Christian life, I have to wonder where my wisdom was. I had some zeal without knowledge, but I did it. And somehow I think God blessed it. And I think sometimes there's a blessing in children looking on and seeing daddy willing to step up by faith and do what he believes God is calling him to do. Even if sometimes we run up against a wall and realize it was a bad idea but to be willing to move ahead in faith, believing that God is there. And if it actually is a mistake and it's something we shouldn't have done, God is going to help us through it. To be men of faith and to be an example of faith for our children, I think is very important. An example of love. We're called here this morning, I believe, to be an example of love. Do our children know that dad loves God more than anything else? Do our children know that dad loves people? Dad loves people. Or does dad have other loves that get in the way? Dads, do we love the Lord with our whole heart, soul, mind, and strength? And do we love people? Is dad a dad who's quick to forgive? We heard a message the other morning about the importance of forgiveness. Is dad a dad that's quick to forgive? Is he an example of purity? Uh, Colossians 3.21 says, Provoke not your children to wrath, lest they be discouraged. God calls us to be an example of 
of purity. And I believe when dad doesn't live up to what God uh, or, or what he says, it has a means of discouraging children, lest they be discouraged. Okay, number three in our confession of faith states it this way. He is to keep himself pure and holy for his wife and be a good example to his children, his body for his wife alone. And I'd like to just talk a little bit about that one. Man is to keep himself pure and holy for his wife. And I know the scripture that it that and what it's talking about here is talking about the the obligation that a husband and wife have to each other. But I'd like to go just a little bit more into that one there and look at the call that God places on fathers. And I think this is such a important subject for us to consider this morning because I believe a good and right husband and wife relationship in a given family is the number one thing that will bring security to a home. And I really believe that this morning. I believe that this morning. I believe it is God's will and God's design. And I'd just like to lift this one up as a very, very important subject to us this morning. That we have good husband and wife relationships because I believe it is the number one key to a healthy home. To have that intimate relationship where children know that mom and dad really do love each other. You know, it's interesting. I can come home. This is my testimony. I can come home numerous times from a difficult day at work. Maybe my wife had a difficult day at home. Maybe there's things a little bit more chaotic than they should be at home. And things can be a little bit the way they are. And and there's a lot of work to do. There's a lot of work to do in the house. And it's not uncommon at all for my children, even pretty young, they'll say, Dad, Mom, why don't you just go for a walk? We'll do this and this and this and this. You go for a walk. Or you go out and get something to eat together. Or you go off and do something together. And leave them behind with a mountain of work to do. And we can raise the question, why do our children tell us to do that? I believe they tell us to do that because it... And they probably don't even know it sometimes when they're saying, but I believe it brings a tremendous amount of security to children in a home when they have the security and they know that mom and dad are in love. They love each other. They care about each other. And it brings a security. And I'm just going to lift that one up as a number one thing that I believe that encouragement to us this morning to have good husband and wife relationships. And if and I know there are times things are less than ideal. I know in uh, in all reality, looking at the realistic side of things, there is things that we have from time to time to work through. Every one of us do. Every one of us know about it. I'm not trying to lift up some sort of an idealistic thing that there's never things to work through. There is. But if we can somehow let it become the importance that we work through those things because it brings a tremendous amount of security. I'm going to just look a little bit at verse 25, 28, and then to 33. And I'm just going to put some real uh, responsibility on us this morning as husbands just to jog our thinking a little bit. Verse 25, it says, Husbands, love your wives even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Have you pondered that one recently? What does it actually mean to love my wife like Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. What does that mean? And then verse... It's an awful thing when you lose where you were at. Here we are. Verse 28. So ought men to love their wives even as their own bodies. And in the verse 
33, it's very similar. It says, nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife even as himself. Have you thought about that lately? Part of the reason why I'm putting some of the focus on this, I am. Just recently, I had a man that was excited. He came to me and was sharing with me his testimony of how he had had a, a situation between him and his wife that wasn't very good. They were struggling in their marriage. They were struggling in the marriage. And he said one day he was meditating on these scriptures and he was on his way home from work and he was thinking about the struggle that he had at home. And this is a man who loves the Lord. He's a man that's an inspiration to me. I referred to him here before. Probably shouldn't say his name again. I don't think any of you know him. But anyhow, he's a man that he knew he had some struggles at home that he was dealing with. And one time he was on his way home and he just decided, you know what? When he goes home and he was thinking about this verse, what does it mean to love my wife like I love myself? And he thought, well, you know what? When I'm hungry, I eat. When I... And he gave a number of different examples. And he went home with that kind of an attitude to his wife and says, what, what can I do to serve you? What can I do to make you happy? And he began living his life that way. And he's all excited about it today because that totally transformed his marriage. And I realize there's responsibility in our sister's part too. But I would also have to say as it relates to that subject, I think God actually puts the greater responsibility in us men because of what men represent in a marriage relationship, and that is Christ, Christ in the church. So I'd like to just give us that as some encouragement here this morning. You know, do I understand the heart of my wife? We should dwell with our wives according to knowledge. Do I know what makes her tick? You know, we could ask a lot of questions like that as we consider how to best minister to our wives just like to give us that encouragement. Okay, number four in our confession of faith states it this way. He is to think of his family as a privilege and a blessing sent from God. And accordingly, he is to accept the awesome responsibility to lead them into the ways of God. He will view his family as a privilege sent from God. That's how Jacob viewed his family when he was coming back to meet his brother Esau. He talked about these are the children that God has graciously given to him. To view his family as a gift from God and a blessed opportunity. You know, it's a blessing when we as parents have the opportunity to lead our children to Christ. Maybe sometimes it's another counselor who leads them to Christ, and that's okay also. But the tremendous blessing it is, an opportunity for us as parents to lead our children in God, with God and in God's ways. And to uh, be there for our children as they fight the battles in life that they fight. And again, I'm going to maybe the older years when our children become teenagers. You know, there's many things that teenagers struggle through. And when teenagers are struggling through heavy, serious matters, they need dad. They need dad to talk to. They need dad to create a safe place and a safe environment for them to open up and talk. May God help us to do that. Number five. His children and wife should know that he loves God supremely and each of them individually. I talked about that a little bit earlier, but maybe just to allude to it again, that our children, I believe, do we have a testimony that our children know that we love God more over and above anything else? This morning, I think uh, Wayne referred to the scripture there in Romans 12 about committing our lives to the Lord as a living sacrifice. And you know, I believe in raising a family and raising children many times God calls us to giving our lives a living sacrifice it's a sacrifice but it's a sacrifice worth going after 
And I'd like to encourage us with that this morning. To be willing to love God and love our families that we're willing to sacrifice our, our time, sacrifice the things that we would like to do and so forth, so their children would know that they're loved. Do our children know that they're loved this morning is the question. And I know life gets busy. Maybe just talk about that a little bit. I know that life gets busy and many times as parents we have to sacrifice things because we only have so much time in a day. And many times the easiest thing to do is sacrifice and sometimes we do it and that's the most important, our families. And I'd just like to encourage us this morning, God help us in that journey of what is most important as it relates to our family life. Number six, and this is the last one here under the the heading of the responsibility of the fathers in our confession of faith states it this way. He is to guard and protect against ungodly and devilish influence that threaten to enter his home. I don't want to rush over this one too fast, but I believe we dads are called to be the protectors in our homes. And I'd like to encourage the sisters on this side, you know, Many times it's hard for dad to step up to the plate and be that protector. It's hard sometimes to step up to the plate and say no when he needs to step up and say no. And dads need many times the help meet and the support that he gets from his wife to do that because dad is called to be the protector. And I know what it's like to be a dad and I know sometimes we get tired, but dads are called to be the protector. Psalms 127. I don't think I read that passage yet. Maybe we'll just turn to it here a bit. But Psalms 127 is where it refers to the watchman. At least I think I'm correct on that. Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep watch, keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. God calls us as men to be the watchmen, to watch carefully over our homes. And you know, in the world that we live in, there's a lot of pressures that face the home, the home face in the day that we live in. You know, there's music, there's technology. I just wrote a few down here. There's attitudes, there's worldly pressures of all sorts. And as we know, there's fads and there's fashions and then all those kind of things that want to infilter, infiltrate their way into our homes. And God calls us as men to be the watchman and to be the protector and to take it as our responsibility. I'm going to just turn briefly to Isaiah here just to bring out another element. You know, not only, and I realize that when we think of the home and we think of being a watchman and we think of the many, many pressures. It's easily to get the idea that all dad's job is, is keeping evil away. But, you know, here in Isaiah 52, 7 and 9, it gives a bit of a different picture. And this is also the responsibility of the watchman. It says, how beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him that bringeth good tidings and publish peace that bring good and bring good tidings of good that publisheth salvation and that said, that saith unto Zion, the Lord reigneth. Thy watchmen shall lift up the voice, the voice with the voice together shall they sing for the Lord, for, for they shall see eye to eye when the Lord shall bring back again, bring again Zion. 
And then he goes on to say, Break forth unto joy, sing together, ye waste places of Jerusalem, for the Lord hath comforted his people, he hath redeemed Jerusalem. You know, not only is it a message of guarding the home, but it's a the, the message of bringing salvation, bringing hope, bringing encouragement, bringing life to our homes. You know, God calls us to that. God calls us to that as watchmen, not only to keep those things out, but to replace them with the heart of God and God's will for our homes. Not only is it to protect our homes, but it's but it's to bring in hope and encouragement and peace to our homes and to our families. I would like to now just have, I have a number of miscellaneous points here to go over yet as it relates to our home. As it relates to our home, just to, to, to give, I trust, some, some practicality to what I'm talking about here this morning as it relates to our home. I just have a number of points to go over here, not necessarily in order of the most important. but And I know I've talked about this already, but I'd like to just drive this point home that, here yet this morning. And that is for us as fathers to strive to have a spiritual home. Strive to have a spiritual home and have a spiritual atmosphere. You know, in my mind, Ephesians 5, what I had read over and just alluded to some of those verses, you know, in all reality, I'd like to just lift that up as a spiritual atmosphere. And I'd like to just raise the question, are we fathers that get our families together and have a family altar? Do we have a family altar in our home? Do we lead our families in worship together? Do we do that? And you know, even though I give that challenge and I raise that, I realize, and part of the reason why I do that is I know what it's like to be tired. And I know what it's like to begin down that road of just sacrificing that part and begin deeming that part as not necessary. But you know it is. It is important this morning that we strive to have a spiritual home where we're willing, especially as fathers, to sacrifice other things so that we can lead our families into having a spiritual home. I'm going to encourage that to us this morning. Try to encourage us in that way. You know, I don't know. Maybe I would be better off if I had it, but I wrote this down in my heading. I'm just going to say it the way it is because it comes to my mind. I wrote down here, Dad and their hobbies. Someone has recently said that everybody needs a hobby. And I don't know. I haven't decided if that's the truth or not. Maybe you can help me this afternoon or sometime to decide if that's the truth or isn't it. I don't know. Maybe I ought to have a hobby. Maybe I'd be a happier person if I had more hobbies. But, you know, and maybe I maybe I take life too serious. Maybe I need some of you to help me. Maybe I take life too serious. But, you know, I I look at life and I look at eternity and I look at the value of souls and I look at me only having so much time. And I realize that maybe I look out of a different window of my house than some of you do because we have a higher demand situation in my home. And I'm going to give room for that. I'm going to give room for that. But I'd also like to just sound out the call for us as dads. What is most important in life? Because I'm realizing more and more as time moves on, I'm becoming an old man. And I am one day going to have 
and B, probably an old man and my children are going to be out there somewhere. And what did I do? So I don't know. I'm not saying that we shouldn't have hobbies and I'm not trying to make anybody feel one bit guilty for a hobby or their hobbies. But I raise that question sometimes. I do. In light of eternity, am I making heavenly investments? Am I making heavenly investments? I'd like to encourage us to be willing to put our nose to the grindstone for the sake of our families and have spiritual homes. And here again, I don't want you to look at me as the ideal situation. I need the same encouragement this morning that I'm given to you because many times I find myself needing to push the reset button, realizing that I'm getting lax in what God is calling me to contribute to my home. Therefore, I'm talking to myself this morning. I'm talking to myself this morning. The next one I'd like to just look at a bit, and I'd like to talk about this a little bit, and once again, and I know I've, I've, I've alluded to it before, but just to drive the point home a little bit more, you know, it's very easy for me, and I'm just going to look at myself as I say this, it's very easy for me to become a passive leader. It's very easy for me to, like I said before, to become relaxed and to become passive. And for a scripture, I'm going to turn to Matthew chapter 13, 25, just to give us some encouragement to be vigilant fathers. Matthew 13 and... Verse 25, I think it is. Well, I'm going to start at 24. It's a parable here. It says, The kingdom of heaven is like unto a man which sowed good seed in his field. And while men slept, the enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. And when the blade was sprung up and brought forth fruit, there appeared also these tares. And we know the... I'm not going to continue reading there. But we know the rest of the parable there. But just to bring out the point that, you know, when we men sleep, I think is when Satan knows he can be busy. And just to encourage us men to step up to the plate. All right, another point here that I'd like to just look at a little bit and give some encouragement. And largely when I give this encouragement to you all, I'm thinking of young fathers. Okay? When I bring this point, I'm going to be thinking about young fathers. And I'm just going to give you this encouragement and state it this way. And this isn't, of course, out of a confession of faith. This is my heart to yours as I observe and watch and see things. And that is to be wise in our personal finances. And for a scripture reference, I'm going to talk, I'm going to look at uh, Psalms 127, verse 2. It says, okay, maybe I can quote, It is vain to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for so he giveth his beloved sleep. I'm just going to suggest to us this morning that that one is huge. That one is huge. And I would just really like to encourage us this morning, especially as young fathers, to be very wise in how you conduct your financial life because I believe financial stress and pressures can be a very, have very negative effect on our homes. I believe it can. I believe it can be a, a very, have very detrimental effects when we uh, overextend ourselves and then we can spend a greater part of our life trying to pay things off and trying to get out of debt. And I'm not opposed to debt. I really am not. But all I'm doing is, again, calling us to value the things that God values. Because when we spend a greater part of our life trying to live some sort of a life beyond our, uh, beyond, uh, our means, 
it can lend itself to a lot of stress and have a negative effect on wanting to contribute to that spiritual atmosphere that God is calling us to. And I know we live in a day of much influence. In fact, I thought about that when I was looking there at Deuteronomy chapter 6, God warning them not to go after the gods of the people. And, you know, we don't have those same God problem that they had back there with the gods that they were bound down and worship. But there are many small g gods in our culture, and our society. Sometimes we call it the living up to the Joneses. You know, somebody else has it. And, and you know, Scripture also does call covetousness uh, idolatry. I think it does. Um, but anyhow, just to give encouragement, especially as young fathers, to try really hard to conduct your financial uh, ways and a way to live within your means so that you don't have to have those stresses and we can have the kind of atmosphere that God would call us to have. Because like I said, financial stress can be like a, can be like a plague. And I wrote this down in my notes, and I think I'm just going to say it the way I wrote it down here, and I haven't figured this one out neither. Maybe you can help me with this one also. Older men can... I'd like to just give this little bit of a caution. Is it okay to live a little bit more of an extravagant lifestyle just because we can afford it? You know, just to give the encouragement to the younger generation to live within their means and and to somehow value the things that God values for the sake of you starting out your family. Yet I also realize when we look at our lives through the kingdom perspective, through everything is God's and what is really important in life. Is it okay for us older ones as children begin leaving the home and we have more finances available? Is it okay for us to live a higher, more extravagant lifestyle? Maybe it's our vehicles, maybe it's our home, maybe it's our decorations and whatever you want to put in there. Is it okay for us to live more like that because we can do it and be living within our means when there's young families among us that are struggling? Just just to raise that question, and I'm not sure what always to do with that. Maybe that's a Sunday afternoon discussion in there. All right, I'd just like two more points here that I'd like to look at. Uh, One of them is choose to view the way of the cross as a blessing. Choose to view the way of the cross as a blessing. Embrace conflict. And Earl, you you alluded to it a little bit earlier. You know, and, and maybe you even said it this way, you know, in a lot of ways... Conflict has been a part of humanity, I think, in history past. And I think it will most likely continue. And I'd just like to give us some encouragement here this morning that as fathers especially in our homes, not to shrink back when conflict comes. Because conflict does come and conflict does make its way into our families, into our children's lives. And to be willing to face Conflict, even in our homes, and to work through it. And I'd like to read here in Matthew ten thirty four through 39. It says, Think not that I am come to send peace on the earth. Maybe this is an answer to some Earl's question. I'm not come to send peace on the earth. I'm come to s- I am not come to send peace, but a sword. For I am come to set a man at variance against his father, and a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's foes shall they be of his own household. Now, even though I'm reading these verses, maybe take them a little bit out of context, because I realize in a lot of ways this is the claims of the gospel. When we commit our lives to being willing to follow Christ, that we will follow Christ irregardless of what mother, father, those close relationships. This is a commitment and a call to a life of discipleship and following Christ over and above everything else. I realize that. But maybe just taking it a little bit further than that, 
says, then it says, he that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. He that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he that taketh not up his cross and followeth after me is not worthy of me. He that findeth his life shall lose it. And he that loses his life for my sake shall find it. You know, I just like to echo the call of God as it relates to our willingness to lose our life for the sake of our families, for the sake of our families and the things that we would like to do and to be willing to embrace the cross and willing to go the way of the cross when those kind of conflicts and things arise. And they do from time to time arise in our homes and fathers, I think many times are called to have to help our children understand what it means to go the way of the cross and to be an example of that to our children of going the way of the cross and the way of denying of dying to ourselves and denying ourselves and those kind of things for the sake of our families to be willing to do that and embrace the cross. Just another uh, last point here that I'd like to look at. Uh, as it relates to this subject, and that is to live a life of being under authority. And here again, I'd like to view this as a very important one, being under authority, and I'll be the first one to acknowledge the fact that if you would have known me about, I don't know how many years this goes back, early in my Christian life, I had a pretty big struggle. I had underlying attitudes And those kind of things, even after I was converted and began my walk with the Lord, I had a bit of an idealistic view of what the Christian life was like. And I had I had I had a pretty big need in that area of attitudes toward authority and how I related to that. And God actually took me on a on a journey of learning some things. And I can tell you about some mistakes I made. I won't go into those details this morning, but learn to be under authority, view authority as a blessing. Don't ever wonder why your children disrespect you if you disrespect authority. And I'm talking to myself here and I'm talking from my own experience. I don't have anybody in mind when I'm saying that. Underlying attitudes towards the church that go unresolved are detrimental. I'd like to just suggest that to us this morning. And our children come to a time and age where they can begin picking those things up. And I believe we even need to guard against how we relate to government authorities also. Authority in general. I think our attitude toward authority is very important. You know, if we're the kind of people that constantly live to see what we can get away with, I think it's detrimental to our homes and to our families. And I'd just like to give us that encouragement this morning. Let's learn not to live like that. Let's view authority as a blessing and let's somehow see the hand of God in it. And I know that many times as it relates to that subject authority, God does call us sometimes just simply to go the way of the cross, even if we're misunderstood. None of us like misunderstandings. But to be willing with a good heart and a good attitude to be able to recognize the value of going the way of the cross, even though misunderstood, as painful as it may be. I just like to lift that up. Can we somehow... If I'm not being too idealistic, model that to our children and give them an example. You know, many a many a conflict, whether it be in business or church, is related to that very subject. And I think God is calling us, and I see my own failures in that area, but God is calling us to model that to our children. In closing, Job 
I'm going to read two verses in Job chapter 1 in closing. You know, I think all of us would like to live a secure, protected, from Satan and his wiles life. And I'd just like to close looking at the man Job. You know, Job is an amazing person. Job is an amazing person. Job chapter 1, verse 1 says, There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job. That man was perfect and upright and one that feared God and echeweth evil. He was a godly man. He was an upright man. And we also, most of us know the account here, what happens with Job and how Satan came to him. And in verse 10, uh, he says this, Satan says to God, I think it is, Has thou not made a hedge about him and about his house and about and all that he hath on every side. Thou hast blessed the work of his hands, and his substance is increased in the land. You know, it seems to me, even though we also know there at verse 5, Job rose up early and he prayed for his children, he he sanctified his children and so forth. But I also, and I I think that that ought to be a challenge to us as fathers, uh, to, to pray for our families, to pray for our children and so forth. But I also would like to encourage us in this journey to somehow raise our children to fear God and to obey God. And I believe that was Job's testimony. And as we all know the story of Job, there did come a time where God actually lifted that hedge, I think, for part of the... Uh, the it, was, it was the call that God had for Job. But I also believe that it was Job's righteous, godly, God-fearing life that he lived, that God had that hedge of protection around Job. And may that just give us a vision. May that be the heart of God for our homes, for our families, that we can conduct our homes and our families in that kind of a way. You know, we're not saved by our obedience and by doing everything just right. It's the precious blood of Jesus. But I do believe that there is a tremendous blessing and benefit that comes to the people of God by a life of obedience where God protects his children. And I believe that's God's heart. For us and our families. And I'd just like to to close sharing. And here again, I just to, just to give us some encouragement, it was my goal this morning to turn our hearts really wholeheartedly toward our homes and toward our families. Because as was stated, I started off with this, but as was stated as we look back at uh, the message we had last Sunday about the house of the Lord. And, you know, the house of the Lord, God's house, and as was, I think, brought out, you know, largely in the sermon last Sunday, was related to the local church, the local body. And if we want the local body to actually be that, it's going to only be that as we have homes that are that. Largely, it is that way. Largely, it is that way. Now, we know the grace of God and the power of God and the mercy of God to transform and change lives even out of the awful gutter of sin. And God does that. But largely for the stability of the ongoing local congregation, that responsibility falls right into the laps of fathers so that we can have that model and that church. And not just the fathers, but like I shared earlier, the wives play that tremendous important role of being that help meet and that need that we men so desperately meet. And I don't know where I would be at today if I didn't have that. If God wouldn't have blessed me with that kind of a wife in my journey, I don't know where I would be today. 
I really don't. So may God help us to have those kind of homes. I trust this morning I didn't lift up too high of a standard because and make anybody feel defeated or inferior. But I think God also believe that God is open to the cries of our hearts. And my desire is that somehow we could we could push that reset button that was pushed back 20 and 25 years ago and where we would be willing to pay the price to have in our homes what God has. You know, there was many a family, a man, a father and a mother who loaded their children up in a van and left a job behind, left family behind and drove across the country to find themselves a fellowship where they could get the support and they could raise their family the way God intended to. And there was much sacrifice made. And I know there's some error in that move and I know we could debate those things for a long time, but I still look back. I still look back with a tremendous amount of respect and appreciation for that spirit that seemed to permeate God's people back there. And this is the message in a nutshell, what I'm trying to convey. I fear we lost some of that. I fear we lost some of that. And my heart would be that somehow the reality of that thing could be revived a bit in the coming generation. That is, in a nutshell, my heartbeat this morning. That's where I was going. And you know what? I view myself as half done, and I need it. I need more of it in my own home because I struggle with the same things you do. God bless you.